stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Seems like uh, Bill Blair is uh, someone that, that the prime minister is prepared to lean on when it comes to uh, a lot of delicate issues. Played a big role in steering the marijuana legalization. Uh, he was made uh, Minister of Border Security and Organized Crime Reduction recently, which seemed like two, two pretty, pretty challenging, pretty daunting challenges, let's put it that way. Uh, and with these new mandate letters the prime minister sent out this week, there, there's even more being asked of this guy. Uh, Bill Blair, why don't you take a look at uh, this whole issue of banning handguns and assault weapons? Yeah, that's a big one. And, oh, this whole border security issue, see what you can do about that. So Bill Blair has been tasked with uh, reaching out to the U.S. regarding the Safe Third Country Agreement, whether changes can be made to that, uh, reaching out to provinces and municipalities, notably in Ontario and Quebec, that have expressed a lot of concern uh, about this situation and the cost that they're having to incur uh, with the influx uh, of asylum seekers and whether they're going to be compensated or what the long-term plan is. So good luck with all of that, Bill Blair. But it does seem to be an acknowledgement, and there's a lot of mixed messages coming on this from, from the government, I guess as you would expect when a government's struggling with a file. That nothing to see here, don't worry, folks. We're on top of this, and behind the scenes, it's scrambling to fix it. We had a, a leaked letter uh, emerge over the weekend, Post Media published, uh, from the immigration minister to the Canadian Bar Association, in which Ahmed Hussein acknowledges that without changes to improve efficiency and productivity of the asylum process, wait times and backlogs will only continue to grow. The situation is not sustainable, nor is it fair to the people who need Canada's protection. Well, it's interesting because I suspect our next guest would agree with the statement that the situation is not sustainable, nor is it fair to the people who need Canada's protection. So what do we make of the fact that uh, behind closed doors, it's what the minister himself is saying. Michelle Rempel is the conservative MP for Calgary Nose Hill. uh, She is the party's shadow minister or critic, whichever term you prefer, on the immigration uh, file. Michelle, thank you for joining us here. Thanks for having me as always. Interesting times, wouldn't you say? Yeah, you know, I I just listened to your intro and... You know, to me, I think you summed it up perfectly when you said this is more of like a public relations exercise. You know, I've been at the front of these issues for months, years now, um, and we're getting into the election year. And I think the government is, this is now a point where they're just trying to convince Canadians that everything is okay. There was nothing in Bill Blair's mandate letter that said that he he was tasked with closing the loophole in the Safe Third Country Agreement. And I, I, I frankly, I don't think Justin Trudeau wants to do that. I think if Bill Blair was pressed on that today, he, he, he wouldn't answer yes. Um, they're still normalizing the situation at the border by putting more infrastructure, hundreds of millions of dollars around processing, um, uh, supporting provinces in the welfare payments, putting people into hotels instead of... And so it's just very frustrating because uh, none, of the, none of the things that were in Bill Blair's mandate letter are either going to restore order to the border or keep Canada safe. Uh, especially with regard to the blanket ban on firearms, um, given that there was nothing in there to reduce gang violence or reduce the incidence of smuggling handguns into Canada, which we know is where the majority of handgun-related violence is related to. So what do you expect then that Bill Blair is is expected to come up with? 
I think Bill Blair has been hired because he still doesn't, like, Rob, he doesn't have anyone reporting into him. Bill Blair has his, like, driver reporting into him. Bill Blair is expected to go onto TV, go onto shows like yours, and spin that everything is okay. That's going to be his job over the next year. Um, I, I don't expect them to be able, like, you have to realize, like, once September hits, let's say we go to a fall election next year. That's a, that's a year. I mean, they've wasted three years. It's, it's difficult to push bills through the House of Commons, even with a majority in that period of time. They're at the end of their mandate. So I think that what, what they're trying to do now is damage control and then try and ramp up some of the rhetoric so that they're defining what the election issue is. And that's so disappointing, right? Because, yeah. you know, Canadians are paying our salaries to actually accomplish things. And, and here we are with a minister that doesn't have any report to them. Anything that Bill Blair does, like he'd have to get sign-off or agreement uh, from one of the ministers that actually has the mandated responsibility to do this. And we're, we're a year out. So I'm just, it, it's frustrating for myself as a taxpayer, but it's also frustrating for myself as a legislator to watch uh, the debate on these issues get to this point. Well, yeah, it almost feels like maybe they're they're waiting for this this problem to just kind of go away on its own. And and you know, I mean, it's true. We 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 started to see a drop off in the numbers. Then they went back up again. Uh, maybe they'll they'll start dropping off again. Maybe in a year or two years, we'll, we'll be back to to what's more typical, I guess. But that's that's a big if, isn't it? Well, I, and, and let's look at the data year over year. The the numbers are increasing, right? So even though we might have some month-to-month fluctuation, the, the numbers are steadily increasing, right? So, like, the numbers, for example, between um, January and, and July of this year are significantly higher than Jan- January through July of last year. And I think that's due in part to the fact that the government has, has actually put in place an infrastructure to facilitate people doing this, right? There's a permanent processing center at Roxham Road. There's shuttle buses that take people to um, centers where they're distributed to hotels in Toronto. Their work permits are expedited. Like, they've, they've now established this as a permanent immigration stream. So why would people stop coming, right? It's, you know, I've had immigration lawyers privately tell me that they're tempted to counsel their, their clients to just cross the border illegally because they're going to get a work permit faster. And frankly, because the Immigration Refugee Board, that body that determines refugee claims, is so backlogged that we're going to see higher acceptance rates at that board because of that. And they can work in Canada right away. And, and, and that is so profoundly unfair and so profound. It's such an abuse of our asylum system that, uh, like, the, the fact that we're now looking at somebody who, who doesn't have a department, who has been tasked to be the PR phase going into an election on this issue, instead of looking at sound policy, is wrong. And this is why, you know, I've had you, many other people across the country say, well, Rample, what are you guys going to do? We had a press conference in Ottawa last week. I took over an hour of questions um, related to policy that our, our, our party has put forward that we're going to explore this year heading into the election and push for, even as opposition members, to bring back order and fairness to the immigration system, cause, because this has to stop. This, this is just bananas. Yeah, and and you alluded to this earlier. I mean, you know, to to allow this debate to become polarized, and I think that there are there are those on both sides of of, of the debate who are you know maybe doing so or have have motivation to do so to try to keep it grounded in the facts because 
Yeah, I mean, if, if people start to lose faith in, in our ability to, to process newcomers, then people start to lose faith in the system. And and there are those who want to exploit that. And, and it seems as though the liberals are, are in that camp, that uh, if, if people are going to get frustrated and some are going to overreact, then the liberals have an opportunity to say, there are some people being intolerant. You got to leave us in charge because we'll, we'll stand up against that, that intolerance. It's kind of a dangerous political game to play, it, it seems to me. I couldn't agree more. That was the central message of the, uh, the the press conference that I gave last week. Was like, look, um, and I've experienced this. You know, I stand up in the House of Commons and I ask, well, how much is this going to cost? How how is this fair? In, in with technical specificity, and you know, the Prime Minister looks at me and goes, "You're intolerant," and and that's just that's such crass politics. Like, be accountable for your decision. So rather than you know, allowing um, the debate to sort of descend into your intolerant versus close the border. Let's talk about how we restore order and fairness to Canada's immigration system, because that's what Canadians want, right? They just want it to be orderly and fair and to match the, the when we're looking at economic immigration, that we're matching it, but tangibly and demonstrably matching it to the needs of the Canadian economy, that People who are coming to Canada for economic needs and, and aren't legitimately persecuted aren't using our asylum system as a vehicle to enter the country because that's abuse. And when we are sponsoring people as humanitarian immigrants, that we are budgeting for the, their their needs uh, in accordance with, with the principle of integration uh, and that we're setting those numbers accordingly and also recognizing that there are many Canadians who can't afford to make ends meet, who are having difficulties getting a job, uh, are seeing increased taxes and huge deficit budgets under this government. So that's where the debate needs to be. And and I, I think that that's why a lot of Canadians, and it's interesting, it's across different party lines, have lost faith in the ability of Justin Trudeau to be a leader on the issue of immigration. So my responsibility, the responsibility of my party, is to bring the debate back to pragmatism, which we tried to do last week, trying to do for years now and i'm glad to see that this will be an election issue because canadians deserve accountability on this they do it's interesting because you know i mean we've had people in the past you know walk across the border either in some of these more obvious areas or more remote areas and, and claim asylum and we have a system that that's set up to to deal with a certain amount of that and i think that's an important aspect of this debate for people to understand that it's not as though this has never happened before, but the, the capability that exists, that, that it's, it's not enough to deal with all of this. As, as the minister himself concedes, the system's being overwhelmed. Well, the United Nations has estimated at this point in time, there are over 65 million people around the world who are on the move, fleeing uh, either you know extreme persecution or poverty. And so the question becomes, what does Canada do in that context? And this is where one of the principles that we will be campaigning on is that when we are offering refuge to people, they have to be the most, most vulnerable. I've been on your show talking about, you know, the extreme failure of the Trudeau liberals to bring in uh, victims of the Yazidi genocide when they had their Syrian refugee initiative. How is it that I was in Winnipeg two weeks ago? How is it that when I'm talking to somebody who is a victim of genocide, they're being told that uh, the likelihood of them being reunited with, with a son or a brother that has just escaped ISIS captivity. You know, it, this is not going to happen in like a 30-month period. But somebody who's already reached the safety of upstate New York and has the financial and wherewithal to get to that point is being prioritized into our system as an asylum seeker. I just, 
But I, I, I can't rationalize that because, you know, I was in Uganda, Rob, a, a few months ago, and I was talking to some senior government leaders there because Uganda is a huge host country for refugees. And they themselves said, look, Canada can't resettle the world. The question is, you know, how are you partnering with other countries? How are you looking at that within the context of your own budgetary constraints? And it was like a pragmatic conversation, and that's what Canadians want. They want to be assured that their tax dollars are being managed prudently. In this instance, when we're talking specifically about humanitarian immigration, that we're looking at it in the context of the world's most vulnerable. And I think that's where people viscerally react to what's happening in Rock the Road. There's nobody who can sort of rationalize that people who are coming from upstate New York or North Dakota are in the same level of persecution as somebody who is sitting, a Yazidi genocide victim, who is sitting in the middle of nowhere in Iraq trying to flee ISIS, right? So this is where we're trying to steer the debate towards. Unfortunately, like this mandate letter that I saw yesterday, I, to me, I'm like, well, you're going to see a lot of Bill Blair on some talk shows, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Look, from your perspective, and it was interesting uh, timing last week because it, the announcement of this policy preceded some of the, the other political drama around your party. But it, it, it seems like a real contrast yes. between you, who, who's worked on this file, knows this file, uh, and, and someone else who, who is now no longer a member of your party who you know puts out some, some vague kind of statements on, on Twitter and, and acts as an authority on the matter. How, how frustrating is it to you then that you know you, you're kind of being undermined in that sense? Or, I mean, did that individual, Maxime Bernier, ever come to you at any point and, and say, you know, I want to learn more about what's going on in this file, or here's some ideas I have about how we should address this? I can, with a 100% certainty, say that Maxime Bernier had never approached me on immigration, ever. I don't think Maxime has ever talked about immigration in the House of Commons, never come to immigration committee to ask a question, never asked for a briefing on the immigration file. I don't think he's ever sent me casework from his from his writing on immigration. And, and, and you know, it, it's really easy to spout platitudes, right? Like, that's, that's what Justin Trudeau does, right? It's really easy for someone to spout platitudes on this issue. It's a lot harder and, and, and to me, a lot worthier to come up with public policy that uh, maintains integrity, the integrity of our borders, maintains the integrity of Canada's pluralism and, and our immigration system in a pragmatic way. And I think that I think that Canadians are just rejecting both extremes of, of the argument. And they're looking for leadership on this. And I know I'm very happy to provide that and my party leader is is, is happy to provide that as well. And and hopefully, you know I, I, I you know what, I'll be honest with you, I would love if this wasn't an election issue. I would love for the Liberals just to fix this. Right. Like, I mean, that is what's in the best interest of all Canadians. This is why we released the beginnings of a platform well ahead of an election, because I'd love to see them adopt some of the policies that we put forward. But such is life in Ottawa, Rob. And sometimes wisdom doesn't prevail. Sometimes people just want to score political points or put their egos first. And uh, I think Canadians have to reject that. Well, it's going to be an issue. I mean, it should be about the specifics, and it should be about the government's handling of the issue. If if there are conservatives out there who want to kind of play fast and loose with this stuff and uh, get sloppy on this file, then that, that just plays into the liberals' hands, it seems, because they, they want to frame the debate a certain way. Yeah, but I won't let them. I won't let them. <laughs> I mean, there's there's people who will stand in the breach on this, and I think, too, what has been encouraging for me is to watch the debate in Canada sort of um, there, there's a lot of people who are saying, okay, how? 
And uh, I think that's what Trudeau's not used to. He's not used to being criticized. And he's being resoundingly criticized on his response to this because it's just, it, 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 it's, it's patently ridiculous. Um, and, and I think that the people that he's appointed to manage the file, you know, Ahmed Hussein, Ralph Goodale, even John McCallum ahead of time, like we've seen a lot of change in characters on this, right? Dominic LeBlanc, the guy who's being investigated by the ethics commissioner right now, is now heading the inter- interprovincial task force on this. They don't know, even know who's in charge. And it just shows to a lack of competency. So we have to bring it back. I'm pleased to say that, you know, my party has a lot of people on our benches who know this issue inside and out. We're calling for pragmatism. We're calling for, uh, you know, a, a big change. And uh, they're going to have to respond to us. And we already are seeing that, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what strong opposition does. Well, there you go. Um, people can read more about those those specific policy initiatives that you talked about last week. Um, MichelleRempel.ca. Uh, more there. Michelle, thanks for making some time yep. for us here today. Appreciate this. Always a pleasure. Thanks. All right. Take care. Uh, that is Michelle Rempel, conservative MP, Calgary News Hill, uh, shadow minister, critic. I mean, interchangeable terms, I guess. It sounds a little more prestigious, I suppose, but it's basically that's your file. Uh, hold the government to account uh, on the immigration, citizenship, and refugee file. So I, I think she raises some interesting points. I, I think the challenge of the asylum seekers is is a big one. I don't think there's an easy answer here, but at least the conservatives are trying to put forward, at, in, in what they talked about last week, some, some specific ideas around this and, and some other immigration-related issues. And I think that's where the, the conversation is most productive when it's along those lines. We're just going to rant and rave about immigration in general or diversity or multiculturalism. We're not really accomplishing anything. And I think it's the kind of debate that plays into the liberals' hands. I don't think they want to be uh, defending their policies next year, defending their handling of the situation next year. Uh, I think they'd much rather uh, frame the debate as uh, the tolerant liberals versus the intolerant other people. And so just you know, if it's a debate about platitudes, that, that, that serves them well. If it's a debate about specifics and policy, not so much. Our number here, 974-8255, 974-TALK. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.